Hey everybody, Dan Vigella here with Sentient Potential. Uh, in this first very informal interview, this is before I kind of got all fancy-dancy with camera tricks and whatnot, um, I was lucky enough to, to speak with Professor Robin Hansen of uh, George Mason University. He's also a research associate for the Future Humanity Institute over at Oxford. Um, this is a really cool chat and one of the first ones that really let me know that I should be doing this interview thing way, way, way more often. So I hope you guys love this one. If you want to learn more about Robin, check out overcomingbias.com or just Google his name. Otherwise, enjoy the interview, and I'll catch you soon. Um, so are you just in a, a sort of spreading out, exploring a big territory mode? Um, yeah, to, to a decent extent, I'd say I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to limit it in a, in a couple different regards. Um, I, I, one of them is going to be a very short book project, which I'm working on, which is more in the ethical domain here. But I'm keeping it pretty much within the ethical and the philosophical domain of kind of some of the AI-related stuff, and then also in a little bit of the tech side as well, although I'm... I'm Frank, a little bit more uh, interested in the philosophy, and that's why I like the stuff at Less Wrong um, and uh, Overcoming Bias and things along those lines. That's that's a big interest for me. So, so philosophy. I mean, the word philosophy has, has different connotations. Academia, sure does. Academia has a certain set of things they mean by philosophy, and then other people tend to use philosophy in a much uh, broader, broader sense. sense. So I, I'm not sure which sense you have in mind. Big time. Um, okay, so for for me, philosophy particularly. Um, particularly kind of applied ethics in the domain of uh, transhumanism. If I'm going to try to put the, knock, the, knock the nail on the head a little bit, that's, that's essentially my, uh, my aim. Um, phrenesis, I think, is the Aristotelian term for uh, kind of, you know, again, uh, like a applying, applying concepts, applying contemplation specifically to... Oh, so internet connection will go here. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. I think, I think I knocked the cord out of my computer. Sorry. Hey, I've, I've been there once or twice. Trust me. I've been there once or twice myself. Can you still see me here? I, I don't see you, no. Okay, um, let me get... Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I've knocked, I've knocked the cord out of my own computer one too many times, so I know how it is. But anyway, yeah, I, I hope that last part came through. I think the... Uh, the um, uh, yeah, applied applied ethics, kind of, I think the Aristotelian term is, is phrenesis for sort of like applying the concepts of the good life. Uh, contemplative well, so I, I guess, you know, ethics supposedly applies to any choices. Uh, Certainly. So there must be some particular choices and some actions that you have in mind that you would think about the ethics of? Yeah, big time. Um, so uh, for me, it's it's more of a, a, a general um, uh, a general kind of understanding of applying ethics in the development of these technologies and the rolling out of these technologies that have the potential to drastically shift uh, kind of human experience and human potential. Um, so it's not necessarily only my action, so I guess I, I am one guy. I'm certainly interested in what I'm doing, but at the same time, I think it's, it's very cool to have conversations going on about the real ramifications, development, and rollout of ideas that have such a great potential to change uh, human life and humanity in general. That's really my core interest, is exploring that, exploring um, who's even talking about these ethically, who's even considering, again, the topics of bias or rational thinking in, in that particular domain. So, so I, I actually have a book project at the moment, and, Do you? Uh, and perhaps I could share a draft with you. Sure. Uh, where, um, I'm trying to lay out in great detail the sort of social implications of a particular technology of, of whole brain emulation. Wow. And... Um, uh, I'm mostly focusing on the positive as opposed to the normative aspects in the sense that I, I think, uh, from my point of view at least, people seem way too quick to try to do ethical analysis when they don't know the, the basics about the positive scenario. They, they don't know. That is, the question is, what's likely to happen if you do nothing? If you, if you, take, if you exert no 
particular effort, what's likely to happen, and then uh, in the context of what's likely to happen, then you can imagine, well, if I did a little, pushed a little, which direction could I push it? And then there's the important question of how far could I possibly push it, because I think almost always we can't push it very far, so you should almost always be thinking in terms of small directions you could push it, and uh, which direction you want to move it, because uh, you can't move it very far, at least as a single individual yeah, person. Yeah, individual, yeah. So, uh, but if you don't have much of an idea where it is, uh, you won't have much of an idea what are the possible directions to push. Big time, and and I and I like them or not. I'm I'm totally I'm totally with you in that accord too, and I'm I'm certainly uh, um, I'm certainly on the tip of trying to avoid bias in my own thinking as well. So I, I've I haven't really done any any interviews yet with with really an initiative in terms of where I'm trying to lean. So my my aim isn't to uh, kind of like disprove the the or like. Go go against the crazy transhumanists, or or to push forward. I was interviewing a fellow who's a uh, an Emerson an Emerson expert and scholar the other day, and uh, I think he had had the idea that I was like really I was trying to get him to like agree with artificial. I was like, no man, I was like just just let me know how you. I was like, I'm just interested in different perspectives yeah. and philosophies and how they apply. So, but yes, I, I completely agree with your side as well. I think it is very very easy to start to play with. Kind of the ethical concepts. Well, what would happen if this and that? When, when, as you had said, you don't understand the entire picture, the positive scenario, um, and I think that's why it's important to sort of understand what's actually happening in the tech side, what predictions or things might actually occur before you start imagining the goods and the bads. But I, I'm very much interested in the project. Do you have a, a potential title? Um, I, I don't think I should choose that soon. Okay. <laughs> that is, every every draft has a title, but they keep changing. So yes. Okay. Yeah. Change, yeah. That's. It's, it's. You don't want to concrete it too early. So. At the moment, it's called after, after dream time. Huh. The, the science of emulation uh, society. Uh, but that's the, today's title. Yes. But anyway, if you'd be interested, you know, it's, it's like at the moment, like twenty-seven hundred words. Oh, I'd be very much interested. Certainly, so pop it over. Like I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. You know, if you'd like, I could just send that to you, and then we could like talk again after you've looked at it. Yeah. Oh man, I'd be more than happy in that respect. I think it's. I think it's cool to kind of see what new ideas are bristling, especially in the the communities I'm interested in. So yeah, I'd be way more than happy too. Be doing some writing on that stuff. Um, do, do you have much of an opinion about the ethics of things in our world? I mean, I I would think like if. If you couldn't say much about the ethics of whether buildings should be taller or shorter, or cars should be faster or slower, or um, you know whether uh, countries should be bigger or smaller, there's a whole bunch of parameters in our society, the society around you. There are. You can imagine moving each of those parameters in one direction or the other, and if you don't have much of an idea how you would decide if those are good or bad, it seems to be pretty hopeless to think about a society, say, a century from now that you hardly can imagine and try to talk can't about. Can't imagine. Can't imagine at all. There. So I would think first thing is just to have an ability to look at the world around you and make you know make some judgments about which directions you would have wanted to push on push our world um, so that's sort of a basic I mean so I, you know I learned that as a professional economist uh, sort of how economists at least and some other related social scientists analyzed a particular policy context and decide if we recommend which direction we think we should push but it takes a lot of specific knowledge about particular areas like electricity Big or cars or, or telephones in order to be able to make even tentative recommendations about which directions things should push. So it seems to me hugely so. Uh, if yep. you aren't even capable of doing that sort of thing, why bother talking about a transhuman future you can hardly imagine? I mean, you, you hardly know enough to, to even talk about what it's likely to be, much less know which way to push things. Hmm. 
Um, uh, I, I couldn't tell you, I guess, what I think much about uh, economics, but I suppose that that's probably because I didn't study quite enough of it there. But uh, I, I suppose uh, I see where you're where you're coming from in the in the regard where, hey, I mean, if if you can't if you can't give a decent opinion on various topics that you're involved in on a day to day basis, how could you ever presume? What the heck is good or bad for the future? Completely agree, and I, and I agree with your end as well. If we talk about politics, for example, man, I'm not up on the times nearly enough to be able to say, well, this guy is clearly better for the country in the long span than this fellow. So I think, as you had mentioned, it's going to take some, uh, it would take decently specific knowledge about your domain to be able to kind of, um, I suppose. Well, we could turn it around. That is, we could say, pick the area in, the, in your world that you think you do know the most about that you would be most willing to make recommendations, and then we could try moving that toward the future and try to make analogous discussions in the future. It's, it's, it can also, instead of just being a criticism and a generic wet blanket, it can be a starting point for a conversation where we actually make progress. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, well, I was, okay, I'll, I mean, I can let you take the wheel all day. I had some some uh, some things I was going to kind of start as anchor points as well. Would you be more curious as to kind of my own... Uh, uh, areas of expertise and domains of interest um, as opposed to starting with kind of overcoming bias and your guys' website and things along those lines? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, you know, it depends on our mutual okay, intuitions cool. <laughs> about where productive conversation lies. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I already know about overcoming bias, so I'm not sure. You do. Um, but, you know, it, I usually find it most productive to talk with somebody about something they know. Oh, right. nice. Okay, all right. So, um, where, they, where I can learn something and they can learn something both, right? Where we, where we have knowledge... Yeah, big time. So useful to talk about two people to talk about things neither of them. That's that's. Yeah, that would be a little bit of a waste of time, I guess. Um, so, all right. So, areas areas of my interest, right? So, my my primary focus is my initial undergrad and what I do for a living um, right now is I run my um, like a martial arts academy here in Rhode Island and all my years of schooling, besides some years at Penn where I did some psych stuff, um, we're in the kinesiology and the health world. So, uh, fitness and I mean now again we're talking about policies of fitness. Um, in terms of governmental, I mean, geez, I, I couldn't, I couldn't dive into all of it. Business policies, individual policies. I mean, policy can be at all sorts of scales. You're so right. You're right. Um, if you think people don't exercise enough, uh, for example, that's a policy, right? If, if you could say it could be. <laughs> if, you know, it would have to be on the basis of something. You say, you know, on average, people don't exercise enough because, and then now you've got uh, recommendations on the basis of some concrete knowledge and then we could try to extend that in the future and say well will people not exercise enough in the future and uh, will exercise be necessary in the future etc cetera, etc cetera. Yes. yeah big time um, so yeah so I think uh, we could we could begin with fitness if this is a, a domain to to kind of dig into and obviously in in any kind of future state obviously there's a lot of that stuff that could potentially shift off where would you like to branch from the if we're going to talk about the world of fitness, um, would you like to know kind of my thoughts on the state of fitness? Since I guess you are um, building yourself on the here as something of an inspirational speaker, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to accept oh, that. I, I wasn't about to criticize it. No, I, I'm okay, actually trying to say um, I'm struggling with um, – I've gone into great detail thinking about what this particular future is going to be like, as you will soon see when you look at the draft. Big time. And then I struggle with people saying, blah. Hmm. People and, and I think at a fundamental level, people don't care about the future, and so uh, there's a trade-off in finding a way to represent it to people so that they do care about it without just overly distorting it. Hmm. And, and 
I would 100% agree in that respect. Do you see like a, a decent number of kind of the sensationalist kind of uh, writings or rhetoric or, or claims as being a little bit of that, as being an attempt to grab attention? Well, I, I think almost all writing about the non-immediate future has always been indirect ways of talking about the current times. That is, um, so that it's, it's actually hard to get a discussion about the future that, that pulls away from these metaphorical discussions about what's going on now. Uh, they've changed over the decades in that, that, that you've had different sort of standard conversations, but they've always, almost always been sort of metaphorical discussions about the current time. Um, so, you know, even going back to, you know, religious, once upon a time, the religious view of the future was, you know, uh, that we'll all be destroyed because of our sin, or, you know, a select among us will be saved and, you know, become the remnant who, who rules over all. And that was, of course, another way of talking about among us there are good and bad people, and the bad ones will be bring us all to hell, to, to ruin, and the good ones will save us. Uh, you know, but it's an indirect way of talking and praising people today and criticizing people today rather than actually caring about what will happen in the future. Yes, okay, and that's, I think that's actually a pretty darn profound idea, um, and enough, really, wow, the, the, certainly a lot to build off of, and even now, even, would you say even with, now there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise now at the future with Kurzweil stuff, and so many other folks out there writing articles, Kurzweil's probably the bigger name, um, do you see even some of, of that stuff and what's happening with his material as being the same kind of metaphor? I mean, the two most current ways of talking about the future are sort of the um, ecological collapse framework or the tech savior framework. So Kurzweil is more the tech savior. Um, that has a, a big overlap with science fiction in that science fiction has for many decades presented an image where what was important in the future was engineers and that the people today who mattered in the future were the engineers today who made stuff that the future used. And even in the future scenarios, it's usually the engineers who are the key. And surprise, surprise, it's mostly engineers who like to read these books. <laughs> Go figure. Just like, uh, just like uh, you know, who, who is the king in Plato's world, right? The philosopher king. What's the highest, what's the highest mode of, uh, of activity for Aristotle? Contemplation. Go, right. you, don't, you don't say, right? You don't say. Sure. So... Story, you know, which large, part of a larger science fiction style or, or motivated discussion of the future, which says the key things about the future are which texts will happen first and when, and the key things about that are that the right engineers be empowered in the right way to sort of make these things so that they can bring the future to us. So it's the engineers who make and bring the future to us, and we should all be grateful to them, and we should get out of there, and we should even help them more. And any good or bad thing. Good or bad things that will happen in the future is, is well, it's having the good engineers work on the good things instead of the bad engineers work on the bad things. And engineers like reading that stuff. They, they do like it. That's most of the people you see show up, showing up at talks by Kurzweil. Or reading science fiction, for that matter. Good call. Um, and you'd mentioned, and I'm just interested to see if, if you see this as kind of the common polarity at this point. We have the ecological collapse and we have the tech savior. Do you now? Now, when you would put a finger on it, I was like, huh, "Huh." Now that you, now now that I think about it, they kind of do fall into those categories. Do you see those as traditionally the the two poles where the future is talked about or explained? For time, we've had different thing framing in the future. So during the Cold War, you know, the 
future was either one where freedom won or freedom lost. Hmm. And then, you know, uh, the, the, the Cold War in the world was divided between you know, the guys in the bad guys in the Cold War, and the future was all about who won the Cold War. And of course, you motivated, you know, so that's obviously a pretty direct way of, of saying the future is an indirect way of talking about who's good and bad today. So you could paint the future. Well, such as 1984 or something, where the bad guys took over the future, and the future becomes this hellhole because uh, the bad guys won. Um, you know, and if you go back farther, you'll have other kinds of futures. There have been futures. I mean, these days there's often the future of whether sort of the Islamists win or the West wins, or whether the Chinese win or the West wins, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, do, do you scare people with the future of the Chinese have taken over everything and, and they no longer have democracy and they no longer have rule of law, uh, you know, et cetera, because uh, it obviously becomes an indirect way of talking about who are the good guys and bad guys today. You know. That's, that is, that is pretty dark. Yeah, so I guess clearly, yeah, the, the, the ecological collapse would not be the only way of framing the now. But it's interesting, as you had said, that we're kind of, we're seeing through our lenses of the present, right? In the Cold War, holy geez, I mean, what are the most pressing positive and negative things you can think about in the future? I mean, it's, it's the Cold War, for crying out loud. It's mirrors, really. Yeah. We're not looking at the future. We're looking at a mirror of ourselves and calling it a lens. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. We look at mirrors. And, you know, it's funny because as humans, I mean, don't we sort of always, you know? Um, in so many respects, it, isn't it? Isn't it almost tough to escape that little realm of personhood and this little realm of now? Everybody's conversation about almost everything is in an indirect way of talking about themselves. Yeah, and now see, now we're going into psych. Now we're going into my my other world. But yes, I, I can uh, I can I can certainly agree with you in many respects on that as well, without a doubt. Uh, this thing about the future is just a, a more indirect version of that same thing, right? Yeah. Selves by, as by, but you know, but indirectly through talking about the future, just like in most conversations, people are talking about themselves. You know, if I'm talking about a sports team and how great they are, I'm talking indirectly about how good I am for having supported that team. Yep. Yeah, we're we're getting into a lot of psych at this point, but but yes, there's there's a there's there's certainly the our attachment of identity and sort of um, our awareness therein is clearly. Uh, yeah, that's 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 clearly not a very hard line. A lot of the time, that's pretty. Um, if you want, so if you want to bring it back to my future work, I mean, I'm trying to like use all the social science I know and other skills I know to, to actually make a baseline forecast of a particular technology. But that forecast ends up being weird in many ways, and it's very hard for me to say what what's good or bad about it. It's very hard for me to, to recommend how things should change there. Uh, it doesn't fall easily into sort of good guys and bad guys. No, and I, I mean, when will it? I mean, it seems like it's pretty tough for it, too. I guess it's always the vigilant, it's always a vigilant path, and ideally, it's more than an effort of just yourself, right? It's an effort of hopefully people who even know other stuff about social science or other stuff about the tech who can collaborate and make those ideas better and make sure the, the progress is vigilantly in a good direction. I mean, it's probably not going to be a concrete, it's over there, that's the good path, you know? Right, but I mean, often discussions are, you know, like transhumanism, for example, it's often framed as, well, individuals should have the right to have three ears or two wings or whatever they want. And so, and we don't know what the future is going to be like, but what we're sure is people should have that freedom. Like, if, 
it's taking this good and bad axis and projecting it onto the unknown. Yeah. And, you know, with, with almost complete absence of, of any idea of what the details would be like, but still saying, yes, but on, this thing should be this way versus that. Or, or, or other ways in which people say, you know, I have no idea what the future of, of governments or, or firms will be, but I really think we need more privacy. Privacy is really important. There should just be more of it. Yeah, and that's again, uh, that's that's well, and as you had said, hey, if you don't, well, if you don't know your ethical thing, your ethical standards now, how can you ever project them in the future, or how can you even think about the future? But then again, if you take whatever the heck you believe now, and you try to make projections and lead those as guiding principles without really thinking it all the way through, then there's danger there. In addition, um, and obviously the the uh, um, your the brain technology stuff which you're going to be digging into. I mean, I, I don't know nearly as much about the tech side as you do or clearly the social science element, but I can imagine it's as convoluted as any other technology you try to project out. Well, I mean, you could think about other technologies. Like people say, oh, space colonization is good. And so they say, well, because, you know, it would be good to spread out more across space in case any one local disaster mess things up than somebody else, right? I mean, which is an argument, but it's really a weak one. Yeah. Um, you know, taking this abstract idea and sort of very quickly taking sides without having explored very much. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, and it, that's, of course, the whole uh, concept of, of uh, overcoming bias. Now, I'm curious, I guess, on, on your thoughts on this. You know, you had mentioned with the stuff that you're digging into, clearly it's not like you don't have oodles of experience in that domain. But even in your shoes, of course, it's so hard to say, all right, well, I'm going to anchor on this concept of the good and positive development of this technology. And, of course, this is going to be the right path forward for us as humans. Thank you. Here's my book. And, uh, you know, follow you know follow me as I walk in this direction. It's very hard to do. Um, what is, in terms of now, well, I, I'd like to think about this and get your perspective particularly as, as uh, the writer of the things that I've, I've read of yours and also I'm sure plenty of other things I'm interested to dig into. Um, regardless of technology, regardless of uh, uh, particulars, I suppose, issues of the future of humanity, whether it be space colonization, um, uh, brain implants, uh, enhancement of human potential, whatever it is, um, the the path forward in a quote-unquote good direction, in your mind, does that consistently look like a um, collaboration of a lot of people who understand the ethical side, the technical side, the development of that stuff in general, moving forward and vigilantly discerning on like a day-to-day, week-by-week basis, okay, is this going in a good direction, is this going in a good direction, and very much kind of uh, staying on top of all that stuff and working together to, to further those fields and knowing that you can only see with your flashlight as far as you can see? Or do you see it as something where we are going to make some firm determinations, anchor points, and channel people towards like kind of one direction? It, what, what do you see as maybe a productive way forward, wh- whether it's with your, your brain science and, and, and emulation or with space colonization or anything? What does that productive good path even remotely look like if we're going to try to take a swing at it? is that um, in the late 1980s, I was involved with people who were foreseeing the World Wide Web and trying to sort of make the World Wide Web into the web they hoped it would be. And they did have some influence in how the web turned out and even when it turned out. Um, but, you know, in the long run, 
their ability to foresee ahead didn't win them much personal acclaim or recognition. Uh, even though they had foreseen the World Wide Web before the web was there, and often after the web showed up, people said that's a perfect example of the sort of thing no one could have foreseen. And then they're like, um, but, but, uh, but I did, but yeah. Uh, right, very small group, and they, they mainly had influence by sort of creating ideas of what it could be like that other people inspired other people to try things different ways. Um, so uh, I, I think the, the point of the example is to say it's not as hard to foresee the future for, foresee the future as people often think, but it is hard to get paid for it. It is hard to get rewarded for it. That is, a lot of people got rewarded for the World Wide Web showing up, but they were people who were in the right place at the right time with the right sort of resources in order to be able to exploit it. And they usually had maybe a foresight of a year or two ahead of time, not 20 or 30 year foresight. The people who could see farther ahead, they didn't get much reward for it. And I think that's a consistent pattern. That is, it's not that the future is impossible to see, it's that there isn't much payoff for doing so at the personal level. There's far more payoff from telling an inspirational story or, or, a positive, or a morality tale about who the good guys are or the bad guys are or setting, waving some flag and people will rally around mm. because they want some sort of cause. The, the main point is, is that there's hardly anybody actually focused on the actual future. And so the few people mm. who so can have a disproportionate leverage at producing insight, but they won't get much personally out of it. And are you one of those strugglers? Well, I'm sure I'm a mixture of both. trying to do on this book certainly is, you know, what I have done so far is to try to be very systematic and hard-headed about forecasting things. And then, then the problem is that at a point like this, I, I have a draft with lots of detail and people say, I don't, I don't care. I'm not motivated. You need to, you need to inspire me. Why should I care about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, again, unless you sensationalize it, unless you maybe put it, put enough of a slant or a spin or a hook on it, you won't jolt that action. I mean, now we're talking about marketing. Now we're talking about, you know, right. you're, you're trying you now now it's a game of attention this is not a game of insight it's not a game of prediction it's a game of why should i think about this the baseball game is on why should i think about this you know my facebook notification just turned red and i can't stand looking at it without clicking it almost all the discussion about the future is driven by this sort of marketing fashion sort of thing huh. and you know you ask you know should we collaborate in order to understand things together with the flashlight well nobody's pointing the flashlight in that direction Almost nobody. It's, it's a random stance, and the few people are, nobody else cares about. Um, does the does the the vigilant pursuit of a good future of humanity, to use the term of uh, our good Oxford men there, um, does does that pursuit, which, as you had said, you know, may not necessarily be the most uh, rewarding or gloriful pursuit that there is currently, although you know, who's to say? I guess, but it seems that way. Um, does does more people on that boat, on kind of an unbiased, discerning but moving forward boat, working together, is that kind of as good as we can get as uh, as human beings at this point in terms of making a stab at it? Or should guys like you, I mean, obviously you're not alone, but I'm saying hypothetically, a guy like you, you know, with a great education, be over here thinking about this and eventually publish a book. A guy over here with a different bunch of education, eventually sit over here and publish a book. Or is, is sort of the ideal to get more people on kind of that unbiased discernment and progression with like a vigilant pursuit of what good might be, really aiming to get people to think about the future and move forward together? Or is it always going to be kind of a, a guy here, 
I got here, I got here, and that's just sort of what we got to deal with. What are your, your visions as to what that best progress forward might look like if we did it right? So, um, I think it's a question of coordination. That is, people who pretend to seriously care about the future, but mainly want to use it as a morality table for something today. Yeah. Was a small fraction sincere about the future. The question is how those small, that small fraction of more sincere people would find each other with each other because identifying each other. Because there's all these other people who want to pretend to be them. Almost everybody wants to pretend to be sincerely trying to understand things. <laughs> don't try very hard. Um, so, so, it's actually. If you actually want to be honest, it's not that hard. The hard things are to want to want to be honest. And people in coordinate with them who actually share your inclinations because everybody else is pretending to be what you actually are. And not maliciously so, of course, but as you had said, I mean, you know, they're just where they're at. I mean, the, you know, identity and, and morality and the future and now, I mean, it's all blah. And, and maybe, you know, some of us have flashes of it and then go back to this. Maybe some of us can never separate, but I, I see exactly what you're talking about. Um, so do you, do you see it as essential for um, folks on that similar path in order for us to have our best stab at the development of brain science, the development of... Uh, space travel, the development of biotech, um, are, is our best stab uh, done most most uh, most probably? I guess we can't be certain about anything um, by the uh, sort of a proliferation of a genuine concern about the future, and then a connection of those people, that expertise, those resources. Is that our best stab in your mind? Uh, the question is how to do that. I mean, it would be great to be able to do that, but. It all comes down to how. So that would be the ideal in one respect, but it's really so it's kind of accepted that hey, yeah, that'd be great, but we got to figure out how to do it. Right. That is, you know, there's been many ways this has been said in many different fields. I guess it's unconscious that you know, there's you know, if men of goodwill were to come together and work together to achieve something, they could do a lot, which has always been true because it's always been hard for them to be such people and to find each other. So many other people want to pretend to be them. Yeah. So that's why, um, you know, merely waving the flag of rationality or lack of bias uh, and having people collect around that flag and say, we're the people who, who, who love the flag, isn't particularly helpful because uh, that's the sort of thing lots of people would, would want to do, even if they don't actually want to be careful and hard-headed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So, 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 I mean, one of the more promising approaches, I think, is, is betting markets. Uh, that is... If you actually subsidized or created, uh, you know, paid it, put an effort to create a betting market on these future topics, then the people who bet on those markets would more have an incentive to be honest and careful about it. And now, where where did you see that idea posed, or did you sort of come up with that as a? I mean, it's it's I'm I'm known for being a founder of the field of prediction markets, which is all about putting betting markets on unusual topics. That's something I've been writing around for a long time. I started writing about it in 1989. I guess I didn't hear, hear the term betting markets in you in the stuff that I had gone it's through, although the word prediction I saw oodles of times. But that's that's cool. Um, 
bad. I mean, I can send you some, you know, really old papers. <laughs> hey, I love really old papers. Um, that so, it, it is a way that you can be more sure that the product of, of people working together is actually reliably directed toward the truth. This is really cool stuff because, yeah, of course, this is an issue of, as you're pointing out, an issue of social science in, in a respect, um, the bringing together of these people, again, that it's not just the flag. There's got to be so many other things in place to really be able to connect people with a similar intention. Cool. Okay, I, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> Slash gamble. Love it. Fantastic. Okay, I'll be sure to make my... Um, but I think the disappointing fact is... I've been able to identify a concrete way in which people could come together to coordinate together to have a more reliable estimate about the truth, about the future, and almost nobody's interested. Hmm. Now, uh, let me put the, see. I, I'm, um, I'm a little more than interested. Uh, so I'll, I'll be frank with you on that. But, uh, but. Well, you know, none of us really know how interested. Actually are. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah. Now we can get into how, how well we know ourselves and what our actual intentions are. Yeah, it gets it gets muddy. It, it's always going to get muddy. I mean, how much do I really like the martial arts? I pursue it for a living, but is it in my heart to really want to share it, or do I just like choking guys with my hands? I couldn't tell you. Uh, it could be the latter. I don't know. Some sick egoic thing. It might be that you like the attention, and you won't actually know if you would do it without the attention until the attention goes away. Yep, and and uh, and even then, you could now be making up your own read on what you feel like your emotional reaction is in that particular instance and then think that, oh, it must have been the attention when in fact it could have, yes, of course. And I, I'm, a, I'm very much a skeptic of uh, my own personal experience as well as motives. I think that it's very dangerous to be certain of one, like, certain, like dead certain to the point where you, you don't believe in any fallacy of your own motives. But anyway, um, I'm going to get rambly. Go ahead. Specifically, you might think that you want to get together and coordinate with people in order to, to uh, better estimate the future what it's actually like and better change it. But you won't know if you actually want that until there's an actually concrete option to do it in front of you. Big time. Choosing. And, and do you do you see, just out of my own, because, again, you've been immersed in this world for longer than I, um, do you see folks like Eliza and, and people who are bringing together nonprofit groups or um, communities like... Uh, 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 educational communities like the Singularity University and things along those lines, do you see those as valid efforts in the striving in that direction? Clearly, they're not maliciously intending people, I don't believe, but how do you... One specific thing, and I could give you my best theories about what's happening there, why people are participating, what the motives are. I mean, yeah. it, it, they vary across those contexts, but I know a fair bit about different particular contexts. For example, Singularity University is largely a, a uh, you know, a, a network opportunity where uh, you know young talented people with an inclination in certain tech directions get to meet each other and meet other people and make connections and contacts uh, similarly for the singularity summit I guess which is now 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 recently joined in the same organization most of the people who go to the summit uh, are relatively tech savvy and interested people and they meet a lot of people in the hallways and then that's a good networking opportunity for people with a similar personality and interest to meet each other and uh, make connections. Uh, I mean, that's honestly what most hobbies are, if you look socially at their function, right? You know, you might say, uh, you know, people who like the same music, they go hear the music, they meet each other, then they, you know, make social connections that way. Uh, people who like the same exercise routine, the same exercise, um, 
plan or the same exercise program. I mean, they, they get a buffer body, but maybe a bigger thing they get out of it is to go find other people who are like them. They can meet together and they make associations and, and friendships that they can use in other ways. Yeah, so we'd have to, and I mean, again, we could go this we could go this way in so many directions. Well, you know, why does someone become president? Why does someone come to run a multinational corporation? You know, are are the motives set in, set to where they should be calibrated? And of course, the motives that we're talking about is genuinely aiming to vigilantly discern what a good future looks like in terms of developments in technology and otherwise. I would say with a, a networking tech conference, what you will see is that the people going there are not actually paying very much attention to the content of the talks. The content of the talks don't actually cohere very much with each other. They don't actually relate very much to each other. There's the people, and that people aren't paying attention to it. What they are paying attention to is who they meet and chat with, and that's what they're interested in, and that's what they're getting out of it. So I think when you look at the details of these social situations, you have a lot of specific clues about what the actual functions being performed are and what people are actually getting out of it and what they're doing. So it's not just at the abstract level. Yes, there's lots of possibilities. Yeah, of course. Help, but you can tell if you look at the details. Um, now, of course, there could be some some... Uh, certainly, some potential good done through that networking. If there are people with similar, as you had, you had stated, sincere aspirations or, or sincere intentions in a particular direction, it'd be really great if they could meet each other and such. Um, but a lot of the time, as you had said, it's really just kind of meeting people for whatever your other intentions are. If it's starting a business or if it's meeting other people who like coding on the weekends or something like that. Well, you can often tell what purpose they have in meeting from the kind of things they talk about and the kind of things they do after they meet. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, in, in doing, we affirm belief. So, um, so yeah, this Singularity University, uh, so I guess it's ponderable. Of course, it's pon anything is ponderable, but it's ponderable as to whether or not that those kind of efforts are aggregately bringing us closer to a, a better vigilant pursuit of what a good future is as opposed to just kind of proliferating tech trends and getting right. people to meet together. That's so, what the obvious thing to say is if you cared about the longer-term future, you would focus on long-term trends. Uh, it makes very little sense to focus on short-term fluctuations in which tech, you know, which tech uh, startup had which demo or, uh, you know, press release. Yeah. It would make very little sense to focus on that if what you cared about is long-term future because you'd be focused on not on short-term fluctuations, but you'd be focused on long-term trends and trying to understand them. And basic social science and basic science about long-term trends. But So Singularity Universe almost entirely focuses on recent short-term tech fluctuations, huh. which makes perfect functional sense for the purpose of being the sort of person who's going to jump in on a new tech startup. That's it, from the point of view of what I'm saying, the yeah. actual functions, which is to network in terms of being part of startups, and that makes sense. It, yep. it makes relatively little sense in terms of long-term futurism, but that's not what they're trying to do. The, the, that's uh, apt. Um, so, uh, let me hold on, I'm going to plug this, I'm going to plug this old Macintosh in real quick so I can, I, I want to make sure I wrap up on my my right questions here. I definitely would, would love to be able to dig into uh, what you had mentioned before, Professor, with, with regards to, um, ah, with regards to kind of your own book project and, and how it's coming along. I'd really uh, love to be able to dig into that and, and then catch up on that as well because I'm sure I'm going to learn a ton from getting my nose in there. Um, my, I, I suppose now you also provided these links down here. Now this is to, um, we have, again, we have Futarchy. I'm interested in digging in and, and seeing what we've got. Let's start, but now it's larger literature about 
ways to use betting markets in order to uh, foresee the future and to uh, uh, you know collectively foresee the future. Uh, it's the main limitation. I mean, first of all, they're illegal. <laughs> there are big legal barriers preventing people from doing so. But even when the legal barriers are reduced, there's just a large lack of interest. Uh, so you know. Huh, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in betting, actually. I think if it was, it was marketed properly, I mean, who the hell cares about poker? And then there's all these people playing poker all of a sudden because it got popular and cool in the right ways and brought to the because forefront. Because it's is something that, you know, the people who win are, are sharp, impressive people. So people want to do the sort of things that make you look impressive. Yeah. So a competition where, you know, the winners are seen as, as uh, very capable compared to the losers, that's the sort of competition people want to play in. Uh, yeah. So people often bet on sports because they're part of a conversation where people are already talking about sports and already bragging about sports, and they want to sort of brag with a little more authority by saying, not only did I say the Bears would win, but I bet on the Bears, and I made some money saying the Bears would win. So it's a compliment to their bragging. And their, their intelligence. Um, so, right, so people are interested in betting on things where it's a compliment to their bragging in other ways. Other, you know, If they're not bragging about something, they're much less interested in betting on And Now... Um, in addition to this betting market idea, which I'm going to have to dig into from the links you had mentioned, um, what else do you see as as or do you see anything else personally right now in the community that we're talking about um, that you see as something that might be a seed of or something that you see great potential in or something you believe in um, that might be moving us towards um, an aggregately better collaboration and vigilant discernment of a, a positive humanity, real, real futurism, sincere aspirations, as you had said. Do you see um, something collaborative, something pooling? Um, no. Nothing. Do you see nothing? And nothing that hasn't been there for a long time. I mean, again, there's just sort of a random assortment of people evolved for various motivations with various levels of technical expertise with various agendas and sort of different fashions come and go and different motives come and go, but I don't see a, a systematic change over the long run. Even um, even with, well, I mean, I guess I'll give you even a small example. I'm trying to maybe come up with a small example here because it seems like it's tough to find them. Um, even even a site like, like uh, Overcoming Bias or a site like Less Wrong, um, up somewhere that shares these ideas with the rest of the world, like, hey, guys, you know, there this is, is. I mean, overcoming bias is my blog. It's, yep. it's now it's been a group blog and a switch, personal blog and switch back and forth. But uh, it sort of has some people who talk about a range of things they find interesting. But there is no um, movement or, or or unusual aggregation compared to what anything has ever been there or or, or less wrong as either, as far as I'm concerned. Is it at, is it at least better to have a seed of X number of dozen interested folks who at least get to ping ideas off of each other as opposed to sit in their own room? Um, or it, the internet has, has allowed a lot more unusual groups to to find each other and to to get together. But the question is, what uh, around what seed are they collecting? Um, you know, almost never is anybody collecting around the seed of we really want to understand the future. They are collected around a bunch of other sorts of seeds that are much more intrinsically motivating to humans. Um, yeah. It's no different. Yeah. Oh. Um, this is my wife. Let me just click. Oh, do you think? <laughs> Send a potential doc out. Okay. So. Sorry? No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I don't want to keep you on here too much longer either, but... Uh, I'm an intelligent person. Uh, I, you know, I'd actually be interested in 
motivating you to like focus somewhere and pursue something systematically. So it seems like you are a person capable of, of producing and, and making interesting progress in something, but you have so far been relatively diffuse, spread across a wide range of things, and eventually you will pick something out. Big time, and I, I could, I, I could, I suppose, go into my. Uh my projections for my own future here, but that would lead to more rambling than we need to uh, <laughs> to get into. But yeah, this summer is going to be a, a pretty darn interesting time in terms of um, kind of moving out of the brick and mortar businesses that I'm involved in and some of the industries I'm involved in, and really really digging a lot further into ethical concerns and, and even the the tech world specifically. But regardless, um, I'm fascinated with this whole collaboration um, uh, thing on a on a, a super high scale, and I. I suppose I'm I'm kind of interested even just as kind of a closing note that sort of in in your mind it's it's all it almost seems like it's kind of catch 22ish to ever get anybody to wrap around this idea of making a vigilant uh, discernment of um, where humanity is moving good or bad because of all of the things that are so much more innately motivating that tend to like oh well we're really gathered around this or we're really gathered around this and it, um, even even with your own blog, of course, you're very open about that. That there might be a million other things people are really there for, um, and and really really into. I see. I, I think the way to say it is that people have aspirations, ideals that they would like to pretend to be following, and then they have their actual motivations. We often don't admit to them that more typically drive their behavior. Sometimes people's ideals drive their behavior, but it's usually because. We find some way of making the deviations between their actual behavior and their ideals so visible, so uh, the hypocrisy so obvious that they are shamed following their ideals when uh, they would not otherwise do so. So ideals can motivate behavior, but it requires a coupling of the ideal with the visibility of the deviation from the ideal. Uh, that's the case in which people become uh, are more actually following an ideal. And of course, this is a standard way in which, say, military armies train their recruits in order to make them into soldiers. Um, it's a standard way in which uh, teachers turn students into scholars. Uh, there are many ways in which people have ideals. I, I presume that you understand something about this in terms of turning a aspiring athlete into an actual athlete. Yep, that's a process there. What you have to do, in addition to inspiring them to be an athlete is to show them the concrete specific deviations between the athlete they want to be and the athlete they are now. So concretely daily, day by day, go in that direction. That's what it takes to make somebody actually follow that ideal. Big time. And, and understanding what, like if, if XYZ tournament is an objective at all, what do the day-to-day -day activities of that aspiration end up playing out to be in the present? Um, right. You can sit around and talk about how you want to be an athlete someday. It's not going to happen. You have yep. to have a, it's very yep. specific. So Ratios of an honest futurist. Yep. It's not enough to just say we want to be an honest futurist. You have to find a way to make the difference between the dishonesty and the honesty vivid enough that you are shamed into being honest. That, that well, so we, we, we there must be a little bit of trickery in terms of character molding and forcing ourselves down the direction of our ideals so that we don't get pulled off in the five million other directions that could pull somebody towards a given objective in business or otherwise. The whole point is civilization is in many ways built out of these tricks people have found to hold up the carrot of somebody's ideal in some spotlight of the deviation to get people to do things they wouldn't otherwise do. This is a, uh, yeah, I, I man. We, we, 
this to make people get married, to have them have functional careers, to have them, you know, hold their tongue when they feel like yelling at people and, and throwing a, a fit. I mean, there's all sorts of ways in which what we would naturally do is different than what we actually do because civilization has put a structure around us that uses shame. Expectations. Get us to do things. Expectations, yeah. I mean, I, I, expectation. I think shame is certainly one of the tools. Expectations in general. I mean, um, you know, perceived norms, perceived acceptability, and and all that stuff. And 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 yeah, as you had said, kind of shame is one of those as the potential stick to the carrot, so to speak. Um, so it's been a prototypical example of a place where it's hard to do this because what you'd obviously like to have do is pe have people tell you what's going to happen in the future, then have the future happen, and then slap them. If they get it wrong, raise them if they get it right. But because the future is so far away, that's so weak, that's hard to do. Yeah, it's damn hard to do. Ah, yeah, so we can't even we can't even get moment-to-moment -moment feedback. Like if you're an athlete and you're preparing for one tournament, well, we can see how you do in the lesser tournament, and we can see. But like with technology, it's kind of like, well, geez, we're talking 100 years out, pal. Like I don't know if we're in the right direction or the wrong direction. The big challenge about futurism is to get a disciplined futurism. And, and everything comes down to what kind of discipline it is. Some futurists are disciplined by having a speaking gig and, and, and keep continuing to inspire audiences. Well, those futurists are become good and disciplined at inspiring audiences. That's different than telling you what the future is actually going to be like, but at least it's a discipline. Other futurists might be like in a, in a, in a world where they do math models, say, and they, they might check each other and say, well, your math model's wrong because you got this part of the equation wrong. And so in that world, they are disciplined about the math model. The math model may have nothing to do with anything if there's no discipline there, but at least they'll be correct math models, right? Yeah. Each area of futurism, and so people who do marketing, if they do short-term futurism, talking about which products will sell in the next year, well, in the next year, some products sell and other products don't, and they get disciplined in terms of that short-term marketing uh, feedback. So that the hard part about longer-term futurism is what's the discipline? What is it that checks you, that, that, that keeps you honest? So betting markets are one way, but it's, it's, a, it's a weak way because it takes a long time for the bets to happen, but at least you know you might actually lose. Yeah, and at least you're forced to be accountable to something um, in some tangible way wow um all right so we we uh we just so what i try to do is to do an analysis of a future thing based on completely conventional standard social science my standard is to say you should be able to go to most ordinary social scientists they should be able to look at my details and say yeah that's right that's basically the way we do it i don't believe your assumptions i don't like i'm not very interested in your topic but yes step by step you follow the standard rules you are doing standard social science so that's the discipline I'm, gonna, I'm proposing that I'm following in my book. I'm going to step by step, following straightforward standard social science and making forecasts about what's likely to happen. This might not be very inspiring. You might not end up caring very much. You might not think it's very ethical the way the future is going to be. You might not be able to figure out who are the good guys or the bad guys. Well, tough. That's but at least, at least you have your own discipline, and hopefully you've got somebody to to, to shake the shame figure finger at you if you go in the wrong direction too. So I'm, that's what I'm declaring my my discipline to be. I'm trying to get lots of feedback from people who know what they're talking about. As as we should, and I and uh, and as I should now get uh, knee deep or certainly farther in the stuff you've already given me and the other things that I'm probably going to want to sink into. Um, I, I imagine I emailed you. You I know you had talked about kind of your draft on the book that you're working on now. Are there segments that you'd feel comfortable kind of sharing that you'd be like, hey, maybe this Dan kid would like this or this or this? or? It's just send you the whole draft. Cool. That's uh, fine. I, I'm trying to do like a weekly version, so I'll, I'll have another version tomorrow, basically. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
cranking them out of, hey, I mean, well, that's, I, well, that's a dis, the, the discipline of writing in many respects. I do get feedback, revise it, send it out, get feedback, revise it, send it out. I'm trying to like incrementally go through step by step that way. That's how it goes, man. So awesome. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I, I want to call you doctor or professor just out of respect. Fine, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, if I went with professor, would you be okay with it? To it. I've heard it before. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, th this has been uh, this has been super, super cool, and um, very rarely do I talk to that many people that talk a good deal faster than me, and so I got to go home and now work on that. But uh, but yeah, this has been cool. I'm gonna jot down some some stuff uh, from the the first and second half of our convo and kind of get a little article going about it. I'll see if I'll see if you like it. Send me some of the stuff that you have, and also if there's any in in uh, with your draft, if there's any other books, um, any events, any causes even ideas articles of your stuff that you think are like you know what this is pretty core to my thing i'd want dan to include this or i'd want this to be out there a little bit more um let me know and and ship that along i would i would certainly be more than happy i mean there's just way too many things to give you that i have to decide oh yeah oh yeah, yeah that's a hey, that's part of the that's part of the, <laughs> the choice there you i'm trying to read you and then trying to like um uh you know get an idea of what what, what you might like what, yeah what fit so well, figure figure with what goes what goes well with our convo, um, and then I'll I'll be able to kind of pluck from that and, and use something that'll be uh, that'll be helpful moving forward in that regard. And then Just we'll one thing here. Cool. Yep. And then I'll get it to you. Um, this is actually a project that I might. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Nice. Uh, it gives you an idea for the, the potential if uh, people are interested enough to do this stuff. Cool. Love it. Hey, uh, thank you again very much. Uh, and uh, let's make sure to connect electronically once I, I get a hold of your draft and, and get to dig into that stuff. I very much look forward to it. And, and thank you again for taking an hour out of your uh, random Friday night here with me while I'm stuck in a blizzard to have a great convo. Okay. Well, enjoy your blizzard. Cool. Hey, thanks again, Professor. I'll catch you soon. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker, uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Uh, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week.